Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live. Talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hey, how you doing? Welcome to uh, Monday. <laughs> A dreary Monday, although my, my weather app says mostly sunny. I suppose maybe that's coming. I don't know. Anyway, it's a Monday in December, the 10th, in fact, and uh, <laughs> here we are again. Uh, I remember saying two years ago that I didn't think Trump would finish out his first term, and I'm, I, I can't believe we're going to do another two years. I really find it incredible. I mean, if in fact the report comes out and he's quite clearly a crook surrounded by crooks, you mean we have to have him as president for the next two years? Incredible. Uh, well, whatever. So, given that the news is, again, uniformly horrific, and uh, and if your go-to uh distraction is <laughs> professional football i'm sure you're even more distressed uh, today so it's it's a dreary monday which is why i'm going to share with you first my favorite story um of the weekend and that is uh this well i'll give you the headline this is uh from the Washington Post. The headline is <laughs> The Pissing Fly Urinates Faster Than Cheetahs Run. Now, I got to tell you, that's the kind of headline that makes you say, What? <laughs> Could we dig a little deeper on that? The Pissing Fly. And that's in quotes. Urinates faster than cheetahs run. Now, I sort of hop, skipped, and jumped my way through uh, this science story. And um, I can't pretend to understand <laughs> it much, except that the headline is true. There is an insect... Um, which is nicknamed the pissing fly, that releases urine, liquid waste, from its body at a propulsion, is that the right word? That rivals anything we're, you know, like a speeding bullet. <laughs> I'm kidding. Faster than a cheetah. From zero to <laughs> like that. And for scientists who are into uh, speed and, I guess, propulsion, what creates it, I don't know. See, here's where I shouldn't be talking about science. But um, this is all from some guy who, um, he's really into um, looking at extreme biophysics. Um and what moves really fast? 
um, and, and primarily he ends up looking at things uh, driven by uh, combustion or detonation, like a rocket launch or, or gunfire. Um, but if you just confine yourself to the natural world, um, you come up with a pissing fly. And um, first of all, you have to get into the way insects uh, pee. Uh, and there are certain insects uh, that are generally reviled, by the way. Uh, the, the pissing fly is um, actually an, a, a, an insect called uh, a sharpshooter, <laughs> which is a, um, a sap-sucking insect that does real damage to, um, to crops in uh, the southeastern part of the United States and uh, parts of Mexico as well. And um, so it sucks the sap out of plants and then almost immediately like releases it as liquid waste at speeds that are extraordinary. It's, let me find the thing that's... Um, He says, I mean, you can actually, if we figure out how these insects do that, engineers can attempt to replicate it, you know, and, 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 and use it um, for, I don't know what. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's see. They say that these insects um, release their urine so vigorously that um, people, you can get wet, you can be walking under a tree and feel, you know, like, what? You know, sunny out, what am what I, is raining on me? And the fact is you've just gotten hit by what's called leafhopper rain, which is another name for the sharpshooter. <laughs> Jesus, God. I'm looking at a picture of the critter. It's just a little, you know, it looks like a icky little insect. Um, there's not a lot of data on how insects relieve themselves. That's something you probably didn't know. Uh, but th this one researcher was just driven to try to figure out how these guys do it. Um, the glassy-winged sharpshooter and the blue-green sharpshooter. Uh, he attempted to record them peeing. And whereas regular cameras record at about 30 frames per second, when he was trying to capture the um, sharpshooters peeing, uh, they shot at thousands of frames per second, not 30 thousands of frames per second and then f they went frame by frame calculating how many millimeters the urine moved <laughs> per millisecond 
And what they found was that the droplets of urine achieved peak acceleration of about 200 meters per second squared, which is to say acceleration about 20 times the acceleration of the Earth's gravity, 20 times the acceleration of a cheetah. Just saying. So he says, wow, this is, this says there's other ways of moving fast other than, uh, <laughs> other than what we think of. Um, so I don't know. I'm just saying that. This is all being studied in the, you know, Society for Integrative and Comparative Biology, and, and there's an annual conference about fluid motion, and, and people are taking this seriously. They can't figure out how these insects do it. They believe it. they have some kind of a catapulting mechanism in, um, in their rears that acts as a kind of spring, and that that's aided by long, flexible hairs that create this sort of like So a single one of these little insects can ingest up to 300 times its body weight in uh, fluid per day. Uh, so you can look, think of them as extreme biological pumps. They consume so much because the fluid they pursue is actually extremely weak in uh, nutrients. So they have to just keep sucking it, sucking it, sucking it, sucking it, sucking it. I don't know. I'm just saying that the news is so generally upsetting to me that I become fascinated by how a sharp shooter pees. And the fact that it pees at a rate unlike anything known before. Um, there is some dispute, it says here, about the fastest movements in nature. Um, and a lot of it has to do because there's different ways of calculating speed. Um, scientists have looked to jellyfish with what they call their venom harpoons. Uh, or mantis shrimp have also a deadly strike mechanism that's that quick. Um, in terms of peak sustained speed, cheetahs, in fact, may be the fastest. But urine, release of urine has not been a major focus of research, I have to tell you. If you want to know more about the study of peeing, uh, the National Academy of Sciences published uh, a piece uh, four years ago that said that animals weighing more than six and a half pounds all take about the same amount of time to pee. <laughs> so even though an elephant's bladder is 3,600 times bigger than a cat's bladder, ladies and gentlemen, it takes about 20 seconds for both the elephant and the cat to relieve themselves. 
And insect pee is even further afield from the study of, uh, yeah, mammal pee. Ing. So uh, the researcher here takes pride in the fact that um, he cares about this and he says there really may be important applications uh, regarding engineering questions about speed but also to the spread of disease and other environmental and health impacts. I'm just saying. So there you have it. That's all I have. I mean, I, you've got some information there now, you know. You can drop a little bit of, you know, you can wow people at uh, your next cocktail party. Nobody has cocktail parties anymore, do they? Or we call them something else. That all animals over six and a half pounds take the same amount of time to pee. I think that's pretty amazing. So next time you're peeing, you just think it's the exact same thing that some lion in the jungle. Every, we're all the same. So, okay. Uh, another way of distracting ourselves is, of course, going to the movies. I did see a movie this weekend that I do recommend. Um, I, I'm, I laughed. <laughs> I laughed in it. I cried in it. I felt it it sort of had me all over the place, a compelling story uh, based on a true story and moments of tension, real tension and fear and and some laughter. I for, you know, you forget how we don't laugh as much, I think. And anyway, though it is uh the green book is is the movie I saw, and um, I recommend it. I mean, I'm serious. There's a laugh in there. Also, there's a trailer for a movie that comes out on Christmas. Have you seen the trailer for the movie about Dick Cheney? Have you? Look it up. It is mind-blowing. I can't wait. To see, I would no more want to go to a movie about Dick effing Cheney, but after seeing this trailer, and how good Christian Bale is, just nails Cheney, nails him, and Christian Bale is one of those you know crazed actors who will starve himself for a part, he'll buff up for a part. He'll gain weight for a part, and, and that's what he had to do for Cheney. Because you can't even recognize, I mean, he's this big, he gained 45 pounds to play Dick Cheney. The, the name of the movie is, is Vice. <laughs> and I, the trailer just shows him, I mean, it, it, it just looks like it's going to be uh, in, in, incredible. And I think, um, oh, it, al it already has gotten six Golden Globe nominations, which is the most of any film this year. I mean, it looks like if Bale doesn't get a nomination for Best Actor, I can't imagine. 
it's unbelievable. You really feel, without a doubt, that you are watching the real Dick Cheney. And then Sam Rockwell playing George W. is pretty damn right on, too. Uh, I think Steve Carell is Don Rumsfeld. <laughs> it looks good. Um, okay, so I guess that's all. Now I have to get back into reality here. No more pissing flies. Okay. Some of the stuff I read over the uh, weekend want to pass on to you. And I guess I, I have a, a bunch of stuff here that I think could all come under a, a generalized heading of, uh, you know, news from the right. Okay? Uh, and much of it uh, having to do, of course, with uh, Republicans and the Trump administration. Just little tidbits that you might have missed. Uh, this woman, this fo former Fox News reporter that Trump has uh, tapped to be the United States of America's representative at the United Nations. I hate to tell you, a position held by... <laughs> I mean, stop and think of who's held that position. I'm serious. I think Eleanor Roosevelt had that position, right? Um, Moynihan had that position. Uh, what's his name? Holbrook, I think. Had, I mean, some truly... Oh, Colin Powell. I mean, that is a position that people um, uh, of the highest uh, caliber in statecraft <laughs> have, have held. And you'll recall that uh, when Nikki Haley, our, our current, who's now leaving, um, UN envoy, uh, resigned, that... The, that, that Trump was most when taken and effusive about how she brought a kind of hot chick sexiness to it. I'm serious. Didn't he say something like that? That's what he, and he made it, she made it like glamorous because she's a babe. And so clearly that's where his head was and he wanted to put another babe in there. And so where there are a bunch of blonde babes, uh, Fox News. And some of them have already, of course, ended up uh, in the Trump administration, including this one, Heather Nauert. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced, Nauert. And he he really likes her because she's not only, uh, you know, a good-looking fox babe, but she's also um, articulate and uh, combative. But what does she know about geopolitics? She has been the spokesperson for the State Department uh, since Trump came in. Uh, with his first uh, Secretary of State, that would be Rex Tillerson, who Trump tweeted over the weekend is dumb as a rock. <laughs> um, Tillerson uh, did not apparently like her and sort of froze her out. But uh, since Pompeo's come in, she's now, you know, 
she got a much higher profile, and now appears to be headed to the United Nations. Um, I first became aware of her when she tweeted a selfie of herself when she was in uh, Saudi Arabia in October. Do you remember this? She tweeted a, a selfie of herself um, in Riyadh. She's smiling like, here I am in Riyadh. Now the reason she was there was that she had gone with Pompeo to supposedly talk to the royal prince about the gruesome murder and dismemberment <laughs> of Jamal Khashoggi. And that's, they were there on this very serious, you know, and, and this is the State Department spokesperson, and she's like, here I am in Riyadh. And there was some blowback to that. But the thing that she did, which is beyond belief, is back in June, and this is going to be our UN representative, back in June, as the State Department spokesperson, she was extolling the relationship between the United States and Germany. And she actually cited the Normandy invasion, D-Day. She cited D-Day as the high watermark of Germany and the U.S.'s history. Well, I mean, I don't even, I, I can't even be, I, I, just, I have nothing else to say. Nothing else to say. All right. The best and the brightest. Then there is that uh, that incredible uh, cheating scandal going on in the North Carolina uh, congressional district. Uh, I mean, there's definitely going to have to be a new election there. And if the guy who supposedly won it wins, um, it would be a travesty. This guy's name is Mark Harris, and I just want to share a little more about him with you. Maybe some of you, again, are ahead of me here. But this is a guy who spent most of his adult life as a fire-breathing evangelical minister. Oh, they say Mark Harris really knows how to give a speech. Well, right, because he's, he's used to, you know, talking about the wrath of God uh, to his uh, parishioners. And he decided, well, he didn't decide, um, I'll quote him. He said, he decided to get into politics, and he said, it was almost like I really don't have a choice because I've got to obey what God was telling me to do. 
So Mark Harris heard the voice of God, and God was telling him to run for the Congress of the United States and to hire a convicted felon to get out the vote. Get out the vote, which is to say collect absentee ballots and throw them out. That's uh, their get-out-the-vote drive. Um, when he was a minister, Mark Harris, who still says he won that election, but it has not been certified even by the state of North Carolina. Uh, when he was a minister, he, uh, he preached that women should submit to their masters, their husbands. He questioned women even working outside the home. He said he did not find it the healthiest of pursuits for a woman to have a career. He regularly invited Republicans like Rick Santorum and Mike Huckabee to his church to speak. And, you know, like right there, that's uh, just so you know, he also was one of the chief proponents of the bathroom bill, uh, you know, because that was really important stuff. Big priority in North Carolina where people were peeing, back to our original subject matter here. Uh, so, totally opposed to gay rights, do not, does not think, I mean, not, none of this should surprise you, but this is the guy who is likely heading into an entirely new election because it appears all of the fraud that the Republicans have been looking for in, um, our election process uh, seem to have finally been uh, located. And of course, Republicans are doing it. Just wanted you to know. My oh, and I, you know, again, it's a little thing, but um, did you see that uh, the Trump administration, and specifically the uh, agriculture secretary who sets these kind of regulations, have decided to absolutely wipe out everything that Michelle Obama did in trying to make school lunches more uh, nutritious and less full of sugar. <laughs> so, Sonny Perdue has said that he, for instance, always has loved chocolate milk and he'll be danged if the kids can't have it because under Michelle's guidelines flavored milk was not part of the uh part of the menu uh that was uh, all of Michelle's uh stuff was put into a an act that passed and was being implemented actually according even to uh, the USDA uh, said in a in a release that more than 99% of all the schools uh, in the country said they were meeting the new Obama standards, which meant 
that grain served had to be whole grains, at least 50% of them. They just, the Trump administration has just said <laughs> to that. So forget the whole grains. We're back to processed white flours, flour. Um, For milk, we're back to uh, flavored milk, which, uh, according to nutritionists, is akin to just giving the kids a can of soda in terms of the sugar content. Now, you gotta ask, what are they? Why would they? Why would they do that? If we have new rules that make our kids less obese and give them more nutrition when in fact the school lunch program is for some kids the most nutritious meal, sometimes the only meal they're going to get in a day. And here is, of course, the Republicans and the Trump administration uh, unable to tolerate anything that was done in the last eight years before they took power uh, because those black folks did it and just wiping it out. I don't think there's a thing standing. Yeah, David, I did see this. David's telling me there is a little good news today. I saw it. It just came down. The Supreme Court, God, uh, today uh, refused to take up, in other words, they left in place two lower court opinions regarding Planned Parenthood that actually benefited Planned Parenthood. In other words, the Supreme Court did something today that will be cheered at Planned Parenthood. Unbelievable. The Supreme Court today rebuffed efforts by a number of Republican-led states to block funding to Planned Parenthood. I cannot tell you how big this is. They'll, I mean, granted, they will just come right back uh, with something else. The Planned Parenthood people are in a perpetual state of um, having to uh, defend against these efforts to destroy them. But the Supreme Court said that the lower courts uh, must have been right, saying that these um, efforts violate federal law and that you cannot what the states were doing is terminating Medicaid uh, contracts with Planned Parenthood. Uh, and that's where m m most low-income women get their preventive health care through Medicaid. And by refusing to let those women do that at Planned Parenthood when there are not necessarily other options available to them, I mean, it's just unbelievable how they will attack women, especially poor women and women of color's health, supposedly because they value life so much. Uh, it says here it would have taken four justices to agree to hear the issue, and only three 
agreed to hear it. What three? I haven't seen it. Let me take a shot. Okay, I'm going to... John Roberts? No, I bet. So we got to bet for sure. Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, right? And Thomas? Or Alito? How could they not get four? Only three conservative justices. Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch. Wow. Kavanaugh and Chief Justice Roberts appeared to side with the court's liberals in not taking up the case. Now, here's probably why. They don't want... It's not the right time. They, This CNN piece says it could uh, be because they don't want a high-profile abortion-related issue coming up now. Um, Roberts is desperately trying to manage the court's docket in a way that won't make it look uh, to be as much a political organ as many of us suspect it has become. So I understand Robert's doing it. Kavanaugh is surprising. Huh. Anyway, people who know about the court say it appears this is a signal they want to avoid contentious, high-profile disputes for now. And so, whatever reason, wow. Wow. That's amazing. And that is good news. Hmm. Okay. I've got a story here that is so bizarre, or not, but it also gives you a peek into a world from the right. And it, it was a profile written about a princess, a German princess. I don't even think of Germany as having princes and princesses, but I guess, yeah, the Kaiser was a king, so I guess they still do. And this one is uh, a Princess Gloria von Thurn und Texas. Don't ask me. I have not a clue. And uh, she lives in a 500-room castle in Germany. And she's 56 years old. And she used to be known back in the day as Princess TNT. And that was because she was explosive. Explosive in terms of hard partying, hard drinking, punk-haired, aristocrat, fooling around with Mick Jagger and uh, folks like that. Andy Warhol was a friend. And now 
she is like this right-wing Catholic, religious Catholic, right-wing to beat the band uh, in terms of wanting to topple the current pope. Jeez. I mean, some people, it's just amazing the lives they lead. So she's partying with Andy Warhol and Mick Jagger, and then she marries this bisexual prince who's 30 years older than her, and then he drops dead, and so she inherits all of it. The castle, there's more than one castle. The castles all over the world. The money, all of it. And she becomes this, like, She has more than one chapel in the castle, and she's on her knees praying constantly. God knows what she thinks she did. That She's, she's probably worried about getting into heaven. My God. But now she's hanging out. Listen to who she's hanging out with. She hangs out with, like, people from the Napa Institute, which is a conservative American Catholic group funded by rich, rich, rich American Catholics, like a guy named Bush, B-U-S-C-H, and I'm going to assume that that's Anheuser-Busch. It's also, she ended up at a party. Listen to this with Cardinal Raymond Burke. I remember my, my this is a guy my sister just hates because Cardinal Burke, I believe, was the uh, bishop of the St. Louis Diocese before he became a cardinal. And he was so right-wing, you couldn't, you couldn't get further to the right. And Cardinal Burke has fallen out of favor totally under Pope Francis. And uh, she was at a birthday party for him. And she said it was quite a party. There were fireworks. The cardinal was eating cake in the shape of a red cardinal's hat and sipping champagne. And the princess said, the good people always know how to party. And she said, Cardinal Burke deserves this because he's been so persecuted by the Pope. She is the one, the princess, introduced Cardinal Burke to guess who? Steve Bannon. So Steve Bannon comes into the picture here. And he meets with the princess and is trying to get the princess to fund a so-called school that he wants to call a gladiator school. Listen to this now. Steve Bannon, still on the world stage, he's trying to hit this princess up for money for a gladiator school for media training for right-wing Catholics hostile to Pope Francis. Here again, this is what the right does. It's a war with them. It always is. Bannon knows it. He wants to set up a gladiator school to take on this pope. 
But get this. She talks to Bannon and she says, hmm, sometimes men are dreamers and we women are more practical. That's why I said to him, great idea, but I think you should start small. And then she said, I think Mr. Bannon first needs to get his own house in order. I am there to help, but I'm very strict. And I say, okay, let's go to church first. Change your life, she said <laughs> to Bannon. I want to see all of my friends be faithful Catholics first. And then maybe I'll give you some money. So she's trying to get Bannon to uh, go to Mass, I guess. Um, okay, so just when you think you got her pegged, you know, she has her... She also has a palace in Rome. And her palace in Rome which overlooks the ancient forum is essentially a salon for these right-wing cardinals who want to get rid of this pope for this is where Steve Bannon hooked up with her and these guys according to this profile are hoping to use the sex abuse crisis in the church as a way to topple Pope Francis. And it's not that they care about the sex abuse stuff. They just think he and his sort of liberal attitudes are destroying the faith. The princess again says, we need to fight for the church. By the way, her pal is the Pope Emeritus, Benedict, who served Mass in, Benedict is German, who served Mass in her palace many times. My Lord, what goes on? She loved Warhol because Warhol went to Mass every day. Do you know that? There had to be a serious disconnect there in Warhol's head. I mean, I'm sorry. Look at the life he's leading uh, at night, and then he goes to Mass every morning. Uh, so, yeah, it says here the Princess Gloria von Thurnum-Taxis uh, is the one who introduced the Cardinal to um, Bannon, who subsequently invited the cardinal to his Washington headquarters, better known as the Breitbart Embassy. Oh dear. But here's the thing that freaked me out. So I figure I got the princess's bio down pretty well, and then I get to the end. She is far from cloistered, even though she's become devout and is like tight with Joe Ratzinger, who just happens to be the Pope Emer Benedict uh, Emeritus Pope. 
Here it is. She remained a New York high society staple when she wasn't on her knees praying in her 500-room castle. And she celebrated Oktoberfest this year with the Clintons. And was one of the roughly dozen women invited to attend Hillary's pre-2016 Election Day birthday party. Uh, all right. So when I got there, my head was hurting. So I'm thinking, wait a minute. She's palling around. Well, she's, I mean, Bannon's got her ear. She's trying to topple this pope. She has a salon for all of these extraordinarily right-wing cardinals and leaders of the church. And she's that tight with Hillary Clinton. And here's what I've decided. I think the Clintons are so money hungry, are so can't have enough, can't get enough. They didn't grow up rich. They can't get enough that I bet, why would she be, I'm serious, he's a right winger, this is a right winger. So what does it say about, I mean, just people of wealth and power, forget the politics, flock together. The 1%. And the Clintons have totally entered that realm because of their, you know, foundation, which does a lot of good work, but it requires them hitting up a lot of very, very wealthy people. I am totally put off by this cross-pollination of the 1%. And I, I don't know if I said this on this show or just quietly to friends in, in private, but I'm also concerned about the Obamas. I find it off-putting that they have, like the Clintons, and again, they don't come from money, so, you know, maybe, you know, a George W. Bush didn't have to go on the speaking uh, and, you know, writing books and speaking and just getting money, 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 cashing in on the presidency. Um but I don't like seeing the Obamas doing it. They got more than enough already, right? And then I think, well, they're black, and this is the kind of thing white people have been able to do forever, which gives them inherited wealth, which blacks don't have, so let them go for it. But on the other hand, I, I'm put off by Michelle's uh, book tour 
that is what in in like arenas with ticket prices <laughs> and you know over, just so over the top i just i don't come on i find it offensive cashing in As I say, I hold them a little less. I, I, I really, and again, the Clintons and the Obamas, they don't come from wealth. So you can see when they have an opportunity to get it, that they would take that. But how much do you need? How much do you need? Hundreds of millions? Money, 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 money. Sickening. All right, we have a caller. Hello. Caller. Hello. You know what? It's a Monday, and so somebody's been screwing with our stuff. You think? Something plugged in here? Oh, shit. Well... Okay. So I just had to say that. And I mean greed. Greed is as American as apple pie. Can't have enough. There was a New York Times piece uh, this weekend that talked about all of these high, high stature uh researchers and medical doctors, uh, the head of the dean of Yale's medical school, okay, uh, the head of a cancer center in Texas, uh, the next president of the most prominent society of cancer doctors, of oncologists, and all of those people, and then some, have been found to have lied or failed to divulge their financial relationships with the pharmaceutical companies when they've published articles. So these guys who are already, again, one must assume uh, making good money <laughs> given their positions, still are on the take from pharmaceutical companies and then they publish journal articles and they don't let the person reading the article know that they're also on the take, that the pharmaceutical uh, company may in fact have uh, funded the grant that allowed them to do the research. It is, and it, the medical journals don't really, uh, so I, just greed, 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 everywhere you look. Do we want to try that again? Hello? Caller. Caller. Hi. Hello. Hi. I knew it was you. Hi. I knew it was you because I was down in the mouth yep. about uh, Clintons and uh, Obamas. I knew. Is that what you're calling about? Yeah, I'm calling about last week when I said about that shit show, the funeral last week. Um, did you see most Americans agreed with what I said? The coverage was ridiculous because it was glossed over and they tuned out. 
It did get a bit much. I would agree. And uh, I, I want to correct myself, too, because there was two perverts there, the one in the box, too, because I forgot about the groping he did. And let uh, me tell you I, what's yeah. going to happen here. Hey, wait a minute. Let me tell you what's going to happen here. If this Epstein thing comes to life, yeah. look out at the shit's going to hit the fan. If it does, if they don't cover it up, there's a lot of stuff deep in there. You just wait. If, if they let it, because they've been pushing it down, the sun did, um, some of the other ones. But there's a real bad stuff in there. So that's all I got to say. All right. All right. Thank okay, you. goodbye. Thank you. I thought for sure you were going to trash the Clintons and the Obamas. But, um, okay, so you're saying the pedophile, uh, the rich pedophile in Palm Beach, uh, Epstein, this case, uh, the cover-up is probably trying to save a whole bunch of very high-profile men. It's my guess. It's my guess. Oh, man. Um, duh, uh, uh. Are you paying any attention to what's going on in Europe and the rest of the world? It's really, everything's coming apart at the seams. I, I have to tell you, I just saw one uh, tweet that sort of tried to compile a lot of it. And this is just Europe. And it's, it's a little uh, unsettling, to say the least. Meanwhile, you know, there's these climate talks going on in Poland and the United States. It is joining Saudi Arabia and Russia <laughs> in not even allowing them to have, to say, you know, to sign on to this very simple statement that climate change is real and we got to act fast. Three countries are refusing to sign. Saudi Arabia, Russia, and us. Trump has taken us into such a a reviled position. It's unbelievable. Meanwhile, you know, our mayor, Bill Peduto, is representing all the mayors of uh, the United States at that conference. He's over there as well, which is quite an honor. All right, so uh, this is a tweet by Richard Haas, who knows what he's talking about, and he says this. In an instant, Europe has gone from being the most stable region in the world to anything but. Paris is burning. The Merkel era, and that's an era of stability in Germany, is ending. Italy is playing a dangerous game of chicken with the European Union. Russia is carving up Ukraine. And the UK, well, well, the UK and Brexit, that looks like, uh, it almost makes the United States government look like it's uh, functional. 
But then he says this, history is resuming. And it is frightening. It is frightening. From the ashes of World War II, there was hope that Europe would manage to keep itself from ever going back there again, and they are going back. History is resuming. Okay, this is why I like to talk about insect piss and its velocity, okay? And then I'll leave you with this. This is what greeted me with the New York Times Sunday Review, and this is true. How Americans can sleep at night is just not known because our tax dollars are literally going to starve children. It's a piece by Nicholas Kristof. It is estimated that about 85,000 children are already dead. 85,000. Now I know the way the human brain works, that that doesn't mean anything to us. You can't take it in, 85,000 children. So you have to reduce it to, you know, one. You know, one little child who's dying, this little boy. Skin and bones, distended stomach. Multiply him by 85,000. There are pictures out there now that are Yemen. And they're expecting that as many as 12 million more people may be on the brink of starvation there. This is 12 million. You could put a whole bunch of American states in a basket to get to 12 million people, right? And then just imagine wiping every human being, men, women, and children, out through starvation because of the war Saudi Arabia is engaged in in Yemen. And then you look at how Saudi Arabia is able to do what they're doing in Yemen, and that's where we come in. Human rights experts, the United Nations, also are warning that Yemen could become the worst famine the world has seen in a generation. And we are complicit. Let's be very clear about this. Our complicity started when Barack Obama was president. That war started during the Obama presidency and we then 
were supporting the Saudis with arms sales, with intelligence sharing, with air-to-air refueling. And Trump, of course, has definitely kept it up, despite the murder of Khashoggi. And Christoph writes, so here is the bottom line. Our tax dollars are going to starve children. And the United States is thus complicit in what some human rights experts believe are war crimes. The velocity of insect piss. That's all I'm hanging on to. All right, I'll be back tomorrow. My sister Susan should be joining us, I would think. And uh, Sally Wiggins stopping by on Thursday. So there's some respite there as well. Okay, bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.